Good morning. Good morning indeed, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Maura Z, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, October 18th, 2019, and we're reading from the big book. We are on paragraph, we are in the paragraph how it works. We are on page 62, and we will be reading the second paragraph that begins, so our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. Today's readers are Tenzin P, 12 Steps, Kelly S, 12 Traditions. Readers of the text are Barbara E, Pam M, and Janice P, M, Waiting in the Wings. Newcomer greeter is Amy K, and our second hour host is Jen A. The reference numbers, share ID numbers for yesterday's meeting. Yesterday's 7 a.m. share ID, 13,534. 13534. And yesterday's 10 a.m. share ID, 13,537, 13537. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And Tenzin P., would you please read OA's 12 steps for us? Thank you very much. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 
can continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you for your service, Tenzin P. And Kelly S., would you please read OA's 12 traditions for us? Yes. This is Kelly S., compulsive overeater from Georgia. The 12 traditions are, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly, for your service. So how does our meeting work? Well, we focus on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. I do encourage everyone to do their own timing, but I will be timing as well. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, please press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting and a really clear recording, 
Everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we are resuming our study in the big book. We are in the chapter, How It Works. We are on page 62, and we will be reading and commenting on the second paragraph only that begins, so our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. And I would like to invite Barbara E., please, to read and comment on that for us this morning. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you so much for this privilege. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run right, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help, and I will ask for help with that timer, Kelly. My troubles indeed were of my own making. I was a runaway train out of control, destined to crash, harming all in its path. But this program and my higher power brought the train safely to a stop because it changed the trajectory of my life. This program took away my desire to character assassinate you. It stilled my desire to listen to gossip and engage in it because it made me feel better about me. It forced me to cease being intolerant and judgmental. It convinced me to be willing to not judge you as being wrong because you weren't following my script. By immersing myself in this program, I realized how my selfishness and self-centeredness has caused me nothing but misery. I could be kind and loving one minute, or I could bare my teeth and use my words to cut you to ribbons if I didn't get my way. So I was constantly placing myself, based on my own actions, in a position to be hurt. Self-will run riot defined me. I had to become truly convinced that if any positive change was to be made in me, I needed a power much greater than mine. I finally accepted that I must do the intensive work required, or I would inevitably go back to compulsive overeating and my life would continue on its downward spiral. This program convinced me with trying to grow up and quit living in my past and quit playing the victim. That's what steps 10 and 11 keep me focused on by doing done multiple times during the day. Yes, life would continue to be messy, but this power I never believed in gave me the strength to sail through the rough seas of life. I know that my life formerly built totally on egoism could not be eradicated by my own power. Wishing for it was not enough. This beautiful program enabled me to believe when things change in me, 
things change around me. No one changes unless they want to. There's only one reason I changed, the realization I needed to. I needed to be less focused on me and more on about how I could be of service to others. When I finally surrendered and had a new director, I could relax because I knew my new director would help point me towards my true north. It's never too late to change the end of my story and yours. Thank you so much for this privilege I pass. Mara Z, star one, ton mute. Yeah, that would help, wouldn't it? Thank it you, would. Leah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm still human. Um, thank you, Barbara. That was spot on timing, as a matter of fact, and I appreciate your share. Um, okay, so if you haven't shared in the last day or two, we'd love to hear your voice. If you'd like to share on what was just read, would you please give me your first name, last initial, just once, and I'll repeat it back. Star one, if you'd like to share, please. Maddie Santa H. Maddie H. Santa H. Ida. Nancy P. Ida. Somebody. Nancy P. Or P. P. Is in Peter. P. I have Maddie H, I have Maddie H, Kathy Jo P, Ida, and Nancy P. Was that Santa? Yes, it is. Thank you for hearing me. Yes, Santa H. And who else? Pam M. Yep. Okay. That's what we'll go with. Maddie M Maddie H. Kathy Jo P. Hang on, Matt, hang on one second. I just want to get the lineup so people know where they are. Maddie H., Kathy Jo P., Ida, Nancy P., Santa H., Pam M. Maddie, please go ahead. Good morning. Um, actually, it's Maddie S., as in Sally. Anyway, Thank you. Um, uh, I'm in New Hampshire, and I'm recovered in New Hampshire one day at a time. The, the phrase, self-will run riot, is just one of my favorite things. The problem I have with that regarding a higher power is I often think that my self-will is really what God would tell me. So, you know, I, I've been starting to realize even I've been in program in the broad OA tent for over 40 years. And yet, it's still find, I still find it challenging to ask myself, is this idea self-will run riot, clever, or uh, is this God's will? And sometimes I get so impressed by what I think is my own cleverness that I feel like, oh, yeah, I, I don't really, you know, God's talking to me and I'm hearing it and it's just so creative. Thank you, God. So I have trouble with, it took me years to come to the point of really coming to trust and rely on God or tr- or actually believing in God. And I think the rest of the time now, I have trouble uh, consistently 
trusting and relying on God. Because sometimes... Maddie, excuse me, one second. Maddie, excuse me, one second. Someone is making a great deal of noise in their kitchen. Would you please check your phone and press star one? Thank you very much. Maddie, go ahead, please. Anyway, just to finish... Um, I, I, there really has been what I'm no, noticing now is difference between, yes, I believe in God, and I don't necessarily rely on God enough because I think that my idea is so clever that God would, in fact, uh, agree with me. Maura Z. Star one to unmute, Maura. My apologies. My apologies. Maddie, were you done? I guess I guess so. Okay. My apologies, folks. Kathy Joe P, it's your turn, followed by Ida. Did I hear Kathy Joe P? Am I unmuted now? You are. You are Thank unmuted. You. Hear you more. Thank you. Kathy Joe P, star one. Okay, we'll come back to Kathy Joe P. How about Ida? Hi, good morning. Thank you so much, Marzi. Ida A here from Northern British Columbia, a grateful compulsive overeater. And I cannot believe day after day how the big book comes alive and the things that I never saw before are strikingly jumping out from the page. And, and I laugh because I think, wow, has it always been this clear? And it was just that I was dumpster diving into the food that I couldn't see how clear it says that who is the problem? I am. <laughs> who is the problem? And, and, and I will die if I don't get out of the problem and I can't fix it myself. It is shocking how clear that is. Shocking. And so every day that I join all of you visionaries, I see more and more that I have a posse of people who love me, who encourage me, and because of that, I, am, I can encourage so many of you out there and it becomes this spirit of love, compassion, and guidance with clear-cut rules. And it's so clear. And I used to go, man, the big book, I don't get it. And I don't know why I did that because, wow, is it ever clear. And so to, today, I know that without all of you, I can really get into my stinking thinking and in my in my life outside of calling into the meetings, I'm on day 34 of having no kitchen. And that's really hard for this compulsive overeater. But you know what? Today, I can focus on things that feed me like, oh my gosh, it's like a month away, less than a month away. And three planes later, I get to hear some amazing recovery and get to meet some of you who I've never met before. That's amazing. What a gift. And, and I have a day count of loosely 700 
and 19 days in program, and about half of that's been abstinent. And that's a beautiful count, and thanks be to God that I can see I'm loved, that God's particularly fond of me, and I can move forward without the food to love many of you. And thank you for that. Such a gift. Blessings to all, and I pass. I'm here. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. And uh, Nancy P., it's your turn. And then it'll be Santa Hi. H. Hi, thanks for letting me share. Nancy P. from uh, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. Let me just start my timer. So, yeah, our troubles we think are basically of our own making. That's like the best news ever because that means I can change what I react to the steps. As long as I follow the directions and do exactly what I'm told, what it says, exactly what it says, exactly, 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 I'm going to get exactly what they promise Um, because I'm not special. You know, I talk to people all the time, uh, both sponsees and people who call me that think that they're never going to get it. And I assure them that it's not a secret club and there's not a secret book that you have to read or a handshake that you have to do or some secret password. All you have to do is read the book and do exactly what it says. And the proof, the data, because I'm data-driven, is that all the other people that do that recover. And the people that don't do that don't recover. And um, so I love that. That, that was, that was the, when I first began to feel hope that this could be for me too, not just other people. And the other thing that I love about this is that above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of the selfishness. We must or it kills us. And that reminds me why it's essential to do this work every single day. I mean, every day. This is not a one-and-done program. This, it says all over the book, you know, sprinkled everywhere in the book, it talks about how we have to do it all the time, how we can't afford to rest on our laurels, how we should continue this work for our lifetime. You know, and, and that's why I continue to stay recovered, is because I do this work every day to the best of my ability. And that is the key phrase there, to the best of my ability. I definitely don't do anything perfectly. All of my problems, every single one of them, are alive and well. And the ones that have passed through and are no longer problems, there's more waiting where that came from. Nature abhors a vacuum. So, um, um, you know, I encourage anybody that's got any doubt at all to um, pick up this simple tools, this kit of tools that's laid at your feet and follow the directions. It's um, the steps aren't that hard. Well, for me, they weren't that hard. What was hard was the surrender. They weren't painless, but they weren't difficult. And um, it's so, so worth it. And I encourage anybody to, um, to engage. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Santa H., it's your turn. And then we will have a, um, a quick promotional advertisement. Good morning, my fellows, and thank you, Maura, for hearing me this morning. My name is Santa H. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New Jersey, and it's great to be on a meeting sharing this morning with all of you. Up to this point here in the book, in this chapter, it talked all about self and how self uh, was running the show, and now I get to the part where it's to me, it's kind of like a step one and two because now my higher power is brought into the picture 
and giving me the solution of how I'm going to get rid of these character defects that I have. Um, we're not there yet, but we soon will be there on step three and four next week. But I like what it says here that, um, that it was a hard pill for me to swallow, that, it, that the, the troubles that I caused was basically of my own making. I had a hard time seeing that, but when I went through the steps, step four, um, I began to see how I was allowing other people to control the outcome. But also, I also see how I was trying to run the show, that I was trying to um, be higher power. And today I find that I constantly say to myself, I expect no expectations in life, and I allow my higher power to be in control of the outcomes. I don't go into the future and think of what should be and what could be and how I want things to go. I now just stay in this peace. I stay in serenity. I no longer try to um, run the show anymore. Now, does that make me perfect? No, I'm still a human being. I still find where I get self-centered and I need to do my 10 steps around this. But at least I know today that we alcoholics and we compulsive overeater has to be rid of this. We must or it kills us. And those are some strong words, an exclamation point at the end there. And so to reduce my self-centeredness, I must turn to a power greater than me for help. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Santa H. And now we're going to take a short break, and then when we're done, we'll come back to Pam M. And I believe, I believe Ms. Jen A. has something to say. Jen? Nora, this is Jen. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, okay. Thanks, Nora. Well, I'm so glad you... Hello. This is Nora. Hi. Hi, Nora. It's Jen A. from Colorado. Hey, Jen. I was just thinking about you. You know, we've got this amazing convention come up. Are you signed up for it, The Power of the Big Book in, in Jersey for next month? Well, you know, Maura, I've never been before, and I was just trying to decide, should I stay or should I go? I'm not so sure. You know what, Maura, I've been to conventions, so can you just tell me what's a little bit different about this one? Um, absolutely. Like everything, there is, oh my gosh, the, the air is electric, it's palpable, and you are going to be surrounded by 800 of the most amazing Overeaters Anonymous fellows. We study the big book, and we are totally committed to working the 12 steps. Your, your recovery is going to get a, a shot in the arm like crazy. You're going to be able to meet. Here's the cool thing. Like, you and I have never met. We've been talking on the phone forever, but we've never met. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I'm going to get to see you. I'm going to find you. I'm going to give you a huge hug. And you're going to get to do that with all the voices on this meeting. And it just, oh. it just so empowered me. Well, that's so awesome. But guess what? I heard the Marriott Hotel is sold out. And how am I going to get there? And who am I going to room with? Okay. All right. You got paper and pen? Write this down. Right yep. quick. Okay. So, okay. 
We have rooms available still at the Renaissance, and it's convenient to the Marriott, and it's convention price, so you're going to still get that great price. And the Renaissance has dedicated door-to-door -door speedy limousine service available for the attendees. So you're not going to miss a minute. Also, oh, if you awesome. go to, yeah, I'm sorry, I get so excited, Jen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> if you go to a Vision for You website, and that's avisionforyou.info in the number four. Um, so you click on the registration tab. And you'll see a bulletin board with information. People are posting that they are looking for rides. They have room in their car to give a ride. They're looking for roommates. They have a roommate. They need a roommate. All of that good stuff. Oh, that's so awesome. Thanks, Maura. Now, make sure I have this correct. Um, it's going to be November 15th through the 17th at the Marriott Hotel and Convention um, at Newark, New Jersey, Liberty International Airport. And I hear that registration closes October 24th. It's coming up. It is indeed six days. So don't delay. Make sure you go ahead and take action. You know this is a program of taking action. Oh, awesome. Still Thanks, Laura. I can't wait to see you. Ditto. Absolutely. Oh, my God, Jen. I can't wait to meet you in person. Thanks okay, so very bye, much Laura. for calling. Bye. Bye. Wow. Oh my gosh, such excitement going on. Please make sure to check visionforyou.info for all the details. Okay, so now continuing with our regularly scheduled program, Pam M, it's your turn to share, please. Pam M, would you press star one to unmute? Hi, good morning. I'm excited. I'm coming. To meet you. Good. So, yeah, yeah. Um, very excited. And um, so, yeah. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. Um, you know, um, though he and he goes on to say, though he do, usually doesn't think so. And that that's me. You know, um, uh, I was in when I was in the food. I could not see my own selfishness. Um, you know, and if you're on the line thinking nobody else has any idea what I went through, call me up and talk to me. I'll tell you what I went through. <laughs> um, mad, I was mad at everyone and everything, and the whole world was out to get me. And, you know, I was just innocent bystander. Um, you know, and then somebody had reminded me of the old adage, if everyone's wrong, you're wrong. And, um, you know, I did start thinking about that. Um, the idea that I could have played, but before that, you know, the idea that I could have possibly have played a part in any of my misery or my problem relationships was absolutely absurd in my mind. My mind was too polluted with my alcoholic foods to see clearly. And I was so drunk on my foods, I couldn't even see that I was drunk, let alone have any healthy relationship with myself, another person, or God. I placed demands on God to give me this or make things happen for me, and I treated humans the same way. I treated every other relationship the same way, and I treated myself the same way. 
So once um, I realized, though, this program did help me, once I realized I was selfish, I didn't want to stop being selfish. That wasn't my initial thing. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, I'm selfish. But I was going to hold on to that selfishness because in my twisted mind, I believed that my selfishness was protecting me. Like if I could just be selfish enough, somehow I would get what I wanted. Um, And if I didn't ask and I didn't make demands, I wouldn't have the life that I wanted. Um, And I had moral and philosophical conviction galore. I even led world peace chants every day in my classes. But I didn't know how to have peace in my very own heart, mind, my home, my family life. I didn't know how to have peace in the most basic areas of my life. But I would gentle reminder. Thank you about world peace. So I had no practical tools. And I was going to be, you know, how was I going to be rid of selfishness? One, I had to make God my friend and believe in a loving power that cared for me. Two, I had to connect with that power every day. So um, thank you. Um, The prayer and that connection with God washed my mind clean and um, is freeing me of that selfishness. Thank you. I pass. Thanks so much, Pam M. Okay, so gentle reminder. Okay, where are we? Mara, where are we? We are in the chapter How It Works. We are on page 62, and we are in the second paragraph. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. And who would like to share? Star one, please. Ned S. Cindy B. Ned S. Reva P. Pete B. Ginger C. Ginger C. Perry C. Perry or Terry? Terry with a T, as in Thomas. Terry K. And somebody else I heard? Did you get Christina L? I do now. Okay. Okay, Here's what I've got. I've got Ned S, Pete B, Reva P, Ginger C, Terry K, Christina L. If you're not Ned S, please press star one and mute your phone. Good morning, Ned. Good morning. I can be heard? Clearly. Okay. This paragraph has special meaning to me, but not in the way many others. This has nothing to do with food. I'm concerned what impressed me is sentences one and two, and then the very last sentence, uh, we have to have God's help. My makeup is considered as a category of creative, and that I believe that my talent comes from my higher power. But there's an anti-corollary to this. And the anti-corollary is you can't do the same thing and expect different results. I believed that how I used my talent was a tool to my, the way I make a living. But it doesn't work. And what the paragraph means to me is that it's time to stop relying on myself and turn my entire defect, whatever, or problem, whatever is that I need God's help to go forward, to stop obsessing 
about how I feel my talent should guide me and let God take over. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ned. Pete B., it's your turn, followed by Reva P. Morning, Pete. Good morning, Mark. Thank you for taking the meeting. My name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered today by God's grace and mercy, and I'm from Pennsylvania. And I love how it says that, uh, you know, it's so interesting. Like, you know, what I had to come to realize is that everything that is inside of me has been put there by the maker. It has been put there by the creator. This selfishness and self-centeredness is just a, man- is just a manifestation of the instincts that have been put in me by the creator. They've just become out of proportion. Just like my instinct to eat and nourish myself became out of proportion in the way that my creator would have it be, right? So like I, like I, like I fight to be on a diet to control this manifestation of hunger, I took that same mentality into, into this, this desire to remove this selfishness. Right? So, so what, what does that mean? Oh, well, let me redouble my efforts. Let me act to the contrary of being selfish, which is giving and selfless, right? Well, that's not what it says here. What it says here is that there's, like, like the obsession to eat, that needs to be removed by God. I don't have that. I don't possess the capabilities of right-sizing that on my own will, right? What it's saying here is that I need to turn my life and will over to the care of God, and God needs to remove that from me. I can act as hard and as best as I want, but if I'm still deep down inside self-centered and self-seeking, it will be there for the remainder of the duration, right, right, till it's done, right? This step is a, is a process of aligning my will with God's will, trusting that God, of my understanding, is going to right-size me, make me who and what I am supposed to be. Nothing more, right? Nothing less. I don't get extra credit for thinking poorly of myself, right? I don't get, you know, extra punishment when these things, when these things rear their ugly head. I'm to learn from that experience and to get better. And what a relief it is to know, like, I, you know, like, this is God's responsibility. That's what it's saying. Like, I need to seek for these things to be removed, to become right-sized, to be in alignment with the God of my understanding. They'll never be gone. Well, maybe they will, about 10 minutes after I'm dead. And for that, I'm truly grateful, and I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Pete B., for your share. Reva P., it's your turn, followed by Ginger C. Good morning, Reva. Good morning. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. When I first read that first sentence that my troubles are of my own making, I was a little offended, um, and I could use that sentence to blame myself and beat myself up. But when I uh, started studying the big book, what I learned was if I'm the problem, that's good news because the only thing I can change is me. Um, so there's hope there. And I love the phrase self-will run riot. 
and I looked it up just out of curiosity in the run riot businesses to behave in an unrestrained, uncontrollable way. And that was so me. That was me with the food, unrestrained. That's me in abstinence only without the steps, unrestrained, trying to arrange the lights and the show and everybody else. Um, And I relate to, there's another place in the big book where it talks about I'm like a tornado. And once I start going, I go faster and stronger um, and bigger. Um, And I destroy everything in my path, including myself. So I totally relate to that. And I love the words, you know, must, had to, because what I could do, and I often try to do, and I love the trying and wishing, oh my God, I tried and I wished for, you know, lots of things. I can try and wish for defects to be removed. But that word trying to me implies effort. I'm efforting and I'm back in self-will. So once I start doing the steps and I become aware of my defects, I can't will them away. I can't affirmation them away. I can't make them. I can't start, you know, um, doing anything. What I have to do is continue the rest of the steps and complete the process And it's 180 degrees different than how I would normally operate instead of directly um, trying to fix and try and wish. I just do my step work and God does it for me. And it happens to me as a result of working the steps. So I just love the reminder that once I become aware of the problems, I can't make them go away. And it's just convincing me here that I need to continue and do the rest of the steps because by doing the process, things will just go, like to me, it's it's amazing. It's just like, wow, I haven't had that fear. Wow, I don't feel resentful. Um, And that's how it works. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reba P. Ginger C., it's your turn, followed by Terry K. Excuse me. Good morning, Ginger. Hey, Maura, good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, and thank you for your service. Um, just this sentence, we must or it kills us, this selfishness, and God makes that possible. Um, so you know this self, that's where all my problems come from, always from me. I set this ball rolling over and over. That axiom is never any different. Those 10 steps always bring me back. And thank God that God makes that possible because I just don't do this work. I do rest on laurels. I am lazy. I am undisciplined. And God keeps me on my toes because I keep getting disturbances that make me pick up the phone and do a 10-step and get to the truth again. Okay, Ginge, where again did you go selfish in this picture? Because it's always me. And the truth of the matter, you know, as an addict, we lie, we cheat, and we steal. So thank God for this work, this practical program of action that I just pray, God, help me to do, move my muscles another day. Because, again, sometimes I'm tired, too, and I just don't want to continue. It's too much work. It's too hard. But then I remember, okay, with God, I have that power, that strength, that courage to continue. Because what what choice do I have? I don't want to go back to eating. And if I don't have God between me and the food, God is everything or God is nothing. So this price must be paid. And the rule is we must be hard on ourselves. And it's not to beat myself up. 
I hear that often. That's not what it's about. But the bottom line is that I am an addict, and I will not get to the truth, and I will BS you till the cows come home. I am not going to see it. I'm not going to go there. I need to be held accountable. If self-appraisal does not work, these 10 steps that are left on a voicemail or in a text, that's a self-appraisal. That's not getting with somebody so I can see what's going on, what's really underneath it all. It's the same causes and conditions. It's just a different face that appears. But I've got to be hard on myself because I'm not going to do this work. And thank God for those that love me enough to hold me accountable to this. Because what will happen is I will have these suds, these seemingly unimportant disturbances. I'm good to go. It's not that big of a deal. And then I'm eating and wondering why the hell did it happen again? So I'm just so grateful for this work, and I am so grateful to a vision for you. I'm in a study right now, and our question this week was, how is your spiritual journey, how has your spiritual journey changed your daily life, or has it? And one of the teachers that I just love, his answer was, I study a special book, and I read it, and I study it daily. And because of a vision for you, we get to study this Monday through Friday. So thank you so much because this is what keeps me passionate, keeps me involved and engaged. And most importantly, I just have to finish with page 20 because that's what we're here. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend on my constant thought of others and how I may help meet their needs. It's no longer Ginger's show. It's God's show. And again, Am I going to be available and awake, and am I connected? I'm, and with that, I pass. Thank you so very much, Ginger C. Terry K., it's your turn. <clears throat> Excuse me. Terry K., it's your turn, followed by Christina L. Good morning, Terry. Uh, good morning, Mara. Thank you for hearing me. It's Terry C., a recovered compulsive oh. reader. <laughs> Hi. Thank you. Thanks for hearing me. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive reader in New Jersey, and I really want to zero in on that last sentence. Um, I had to have, we had to have God's help. Um, a story came to mind, and um, it uh, seems like yesterday, but it was a while ago, that uh, I brought home my newborn daughter, and I had already had my six-year-old son, and um, things which seemed like what should be the happiest time in my life were falling apart. They just seemed like they were falling apart. And, uh, and I remember going to a therapist, which knew me well, and I was convinced he was going to tell me I had postpartum depression. And at the end of one half-hour session, he said, Terry, you are at the crossroads that you're often at in your life, and it's the most difficult spot for you, and it's that you don't like asking and you need help. You know, I was an at-home mom. My husband was working hard. I thought I had to put it all together, you know, this newborn, this house, uh, whatever was going on. And boy, was that key for me because it probably was the most difficult part of this program as well. You know, it tells me on page 25, I have to accept spiritual help. You know, that seems like why wouldn't you want to, right? Why wouldn't you want to accept spiritual help? But often difficult for me. But now that I've worked the steps and I live in 10, 11, and 12, and I read those 84 through 88 pages every day, I know that strength, inspiration, and direction comes to me from working the steps. And it comes to me because if I'm humble enough to get out of God's way and ask for his will, ask for his help, that I get that spiritual help and I get that direction, that strength and inspiration. 
And um, I'm just grateful to know today that um, as many people have shared, you know, I, I work these steps because, uh, you know, spirituality is the goal. You know, abstinence is the byproduct of the spirituality. And I don't have to worry about that today as long as I'm on the road asking God for help, reaching out to him. And, uh, you know, many on those pages, it says ask, 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 ask. It's, we're asking God. You know, we're asking God for direction, for thinking. Um, and uh, I think I'll stop there. And thanks so much for hearing me. And thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Terry C. Christina L., it's your turn. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Maura. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for your service. Happy Friday. Um, I don't remember when I first read um, these paragraphs, um, if it was when I first came in the program or anything like that. But I do remember being very um, offended by the thought that I was full of selfishness and self-centeredness. I could not grasp the concept that I was self-centered or self or selfish um, because I was always trying to um, make things better for everyone or um, I went along with what everybody said or told me to do. I was very compliant. Um, but about two years in the program, um, my sponsor had suggested I go to another program. And in that time, I learned um, <laughs> that I was very controlling. And I never thought I was a controlling person because, um, because, uh, because I just wasn't, because I didn't, I didn't see how I was controlling. And um, I see things so differently now. Um, this past... Um, May, um, I finally came to understand that paragraph that talks about the tornado roaring through the lives of others. And I never saw myself that way before, but um, I saw myself that way this time. And um, it was a very, I don't even know the right word. I just remember feeling so incredibly lonely and afraid and um guilty and miserable, you know, I beat myself up over it and stuff, and, um, but, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful to have this awareness of who I really am today. My sponsor had me, I think I said that the other day, read this in the eye, you know, every day for a while, and um, uh, I have been a person who, like, when I hear someone tells me that, um, or I'm people-pleasing, or I'm I'm passive aggressive. Then I decided that I was going to be assertive, and that was when I started roaring through over people and stuff. And um, if someone tells me that, um, well, they shouldn't be doing this, and I don't have a problem with it, but then all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe he's right, and then I start trying to conform my way. I had a sponsor who wanted me to do something that was self-soothing every day for me, um, and I did it. I, I did do that, but, um, you know, I put myself first before everyone else, and um, I didn't feel good about doing that, and I, it, it just, oh my gosh, the, the damage that I did to my husband and my son just really, it's, it's humbling, um, and thank God I don't have to be that way anymore, thank God. 
Um, you know, I have a program and these steps and the tools, and I'm just so grateful for, Time. you know, <laughs> I'm just so grateful. <laughs> Thank you, Christina L. Okay, we have four minutes left, so I'm thinking two two-minute shares. Who'd like to share? Crickets. Two two-minute shares. Anybody? Any takers? Bar Barbara P. in Atlanta. Barbara Jamie P. M. Jamie M. Barbara, go ahead, please. Two minutes. Hi. Good morning. It's Barbara P. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And what struck me this morning is self-will run riot. Um, and some, somebody really helped me with this, and I wanted to share it. I did not, when I read Selfish and Self-Centered, like so many people have said, I just couldn't see it because I didn't want things, I, there were a lot of things that I, I thought of as, like as greediness. And that was not how I would describe myself. It's still not. What somebody pointed out to me was that they really, when they talk about self-centeredness and, and self, um, selfishness, they really talk about wanting what I want when I want it. And self-will, willing things, being totally self-absorbed, self-involved, and willing things to be my way. And, you know, I could see that where it came to the food, what I couldn't see but have come to learn. I mean, good, simple example, my husband, I always think, oh, I want him to pay more attention. But the truth of that is I want him to pay attention when I want him to pay attention. And this poor man will try and talk to me if it's not a time when I really want when I, him to, I don't want it anymore. Like, he can't win. And I realize that I put most people in that position. They can't win. I want what I want, when I want it, in the way I want it. And I want to direct the show. And once I came to see that, that that was my selfishness. That was what we were talking about. My thinking, I ran the show and wanting what I want. So simple acts today, simple spiritual acts is when he talks to me and I give that big sigh because it's really a time where I would like quiet. I try and listen. I just try and listen. I try and think, well, Barb, he needs to talk. And thank God he wants to talk to you. So anyway, I, I just, I think changing this, it's not a selfishness necessarily in a traditional sense, but it is me wanting what I want when I want it almost let me just say all the time. <laughs> Thanks. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Jamie, I underestimated you have a minute. No problem. Can I be heard? Yes, clearly. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for your service. Um, this is probably my second favorite paragraph in the whole big book. Um, and I swear if I was ever the leader of a girl band, my band name would be Self Will Run Riot. And it's so true that others have shared this morning that once they found out that we were the, you know, that me, myself, and I are, you know, the sort of center of our problem, I was um, so relieved to know that if I could just get the hell out of my own way, I, I could actually heal and grow and evolve. Um, and I had answers to why I was the way I was. And it was all from, from me, from my perception, from my behavior. Uh, and essentially farming myself out to others to be validated, to be soothed, to be protected instead of going to my higher power. And once I saw 
um, that I was the one holding me back. No one else was doing it. And that the solution was working the steps and connecting with God. I just, it was such a freeing feeling. And I was so eager to just keep letting it all go. And it's, you know, at first I did take offense to the selfishness, self-centeredness, but then I realized, well, like others have shared, if I'm the problem, then I need to get the heck out of the way so the solution can come. And it has been such an amazing journey. And I am so, so grateful. And this is easily one of my favorite paragraphs. And thank you again for, for letting me share. Thank you so very much, Jamie. Sorry about that time. My goodness, yes, and Jamie is the last share today. Wow, thank you to everyone who shared. And uh, and at our peak, we were 354 strong. So good morning, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Important number. Today's share ID, 13,538. One three five three eight, and Pam M, would you please read from page one sixty four, and we'll follow that with the Serenity Prayer. Good morning, Pam. Good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.